We love our mama. We say hooray for our own special mama on her own special day. We love our dad, our old papa bear, who does so much for us and is always there. Welcome back to Deep in Bear Country, a Berenstain Bear cast. I am your host, Phil Gonzalez, and if things sound a little different, a little echoier maybe, a little like I'm not in my office sitting behind my desk all by myself, it's because I'm not in my office. I am not sitting at my desk, and I'm not all by myself. Uh, this week, I am going to be covering two books, which is unusual. I try not to do that because it's usually a little too much information, but we're in a special situation here. These are two books I've been putting off covering because I wanted to have guests for them, and I didn't want to have to sit in front of the camera and make them zoom at me because that's not a very good way to talk to these two very specific people. Uh, so this week's books are 2012's We Love Our Mom and We Love Our Dad by Jan and Mike Berenstain. If you've noticed, I'm jumping way back in time because I've been putting off covering these books for a while. They are Mother's Day and Father's Day books. It is not Mother's Day or Father's Day. But the reason I am have put them off and the reason I have waited to be in the same room as these guests is because the guests are, appropriately enough, my own mom and my own dad. Please welcome to the show... Gail and Ruben Gonzalez, welcome to Deep in Bear Country. Good to be here, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm going to stop talking like my, like I talk on the show. I'm just going to talk like a normal human being. You're probably not used to hearing me talk like that. <laughs> no. <laughs> so you guys have been my parents for how long? <laughs> oh, Jesus, 47 years? Yeah, yeah, I'd say about 47 years. <laughs> and how much of that would you say is a good, was good? Oh, 47 years? Oh, <laughs> I don't believe it. Yeah. I would I would reiterate that 47 has been a, a terrific experience watching you grow up, mature, become a, a father, and be an excellent dad. Do you think I'm an excellent dad? Oh, yes. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> I, I, I believe you pay a, a lot of attention to your children. And uh, the, the thing that I admire the most, the fact that you make them part of your everyday life. Mm -hmm. And and you ex experiment with them by giving them knowledge that you have impar uh, uh, imparted in them. And uh, the things that you've read, you've just passed it along to them. To them, I, I just, I can't read enough to even comprehend your knowledge based on books. <laughs> well, it's certainly not based on life experience. <laughs> uh, I can't, I was talking with someone just the other day about how, I think, I can't remember, it may have been Brian, I can't remember who, but it was talking about how if you saw someone, if you saw a child running around outside, it was, it was Stacy, it was my sister. It was not me running around outside because I was the indoor kid. Oh, yep. no. that was that was the Corbins because oh yeah, he, he talked about watching Stacy up and down the sidewalk and and the like. Yeah, yeah, and that's true because you used it in the shadows of the house. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember exactly whenever you grew up long enough to to help me do the yard work. How it seemed that. Either you didn't pick up on the, the, the process 
or you intentionally ignored it, <laughs> knowing that I would correct it or take over the jobs. <laughs> okay, so yard work. Okay, so in Texas, yards are very dense and thick. There's a lot of grass. Like, we have lawns in Minnesota, but they are thin. Like sort of the, the grass isn't thick. The grass is very thin. And, uh, and you had a very specific idea of what mowing the lawn was like you were like you have you go in this order in this direction and what did you do spiral or did you do back and forth well i i alternated and back and forth sometimes laterally sometimes pretty yeah and i was like why don't you just do a spiral from the outside in (laughs) (laughs) but we also had a little wisteria bush we had in the front yes we had this wisteria bush in the front yard that was just like wasp central like it was just wasps. And so I would always make the biggest circuit around the wisteria bush. And dad would always be like, no, you got to get in there. You got to get up under the bush. And I'm like, but that's getting me closer to the bugs. That are- <laughs> also fire ants. Uh, like you mow over fire ant hills. You don't want that. Right. Yeah. It's a lot. Yeah. It, it was an interesting experience. And, you know, uh, rearing you as a child and, and uh, watching you grow. Unfortunately, I spent a lot of time uh, forming my own future, mm-hmm. you know, trying to uh, lead us by example, and uh, but I spent a lot of time away from home with the work. Yeah. Yeah, so the majority of, of your influences came from your mom, and I'm going to say at this point, that was good. <laughs> Well, because, well, you didn't work, Mom, you didn't work outside the house until I was back in school. Right. You went back to work at, you went to work at Foley's. Yes, in 84. Yeah. Like once we'd gotten settled into elementary school and stuff. Uh, But then you went back to work, both of my parents worked for the United States Postal Service. You went back to the post office in... 90. Yeah, when I was in high school. Yes. Um, And then for a period of time, both of my parents worked nights... You both worked, when I was in high school, there was a period of time when you guys were gone from sundown to sunup. Yeah. yeah. Which you might think for a high school student is like prime time for excitement. And <laughs> for getting in trouble. Getting in trouble. But no, I would just have maybe one or two friends over and we'd watch TV and go to bed at an appropriate time. Because <laughs> I was not the partying kid either. So. Um, so we're covering two books. We love our mom. We love our dad. And they're both books about the cubs, the bear cubs appreciating their parents and showing them the ways they appreciate them. Mama Bear is more of a domestic bear. She stays at home. She does like a lot of domestic work. She takes care of the kids. And they show her their appreciation for her by building a scrapbook about their, about basically them growing up. And then for Papa, they focus a lot on the fact that he's, he works a lot. And so they give him Father's Day coupons to take over his work for a day, which ultimately results in him having to do the work, most of the work for them, because they don't know how to do it. It's hard work they've chosen to do. Uh, I think it's like cleaning out his workshop, uh, seeding the lawn, which I don't think I would know how to do. Did you have a thing like a, well, was that a, a fertilizer that you pushed and it like spread? Right. That wasn't grass seed, that was fertilizer? No, fertilizer. No, that was fertilizer. We don't do grass seed here. We do... Okay. We Some do odd. Sod. Oh, okay. No. Okay. Um, I guess in bear country, they do grass seed. Yeah. Um, 
But I am, I think in, in growing up, I think my thoughts, my thoughts about you two was you both pretty much, except for like the, the heavy yard work, you guys both split duties pretty, pretty fair, like evenly. Yeah. Like as far as like mom, you usually cooked, but like housework and things like that, it was expected that everybody did chipped in, especially like vacuuming. I remember dad was like very, very much about, you didn't just vacuum the dead. You, you moved the furniture and vacuumed right. under the furniture. Well, the furniture is made to be rearranged so you can change the environment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We did that. So I used to change the, the furniture around. Yes. A lot. A lot. <laughs> like I come home from school and like the, the living room would be rearranged. And for a child, that was like culture shock. So they go, now I have to sit in a different place to watch TV. <laughs> we don't move our furniture around that much uh, just because it's heavy and we don't want to bother with it. But also we have wood. Well, you guys have... Well, cool. hardwood floors. What is it? Yeah. Is it hardwood? Is that officially hardwood? Yeah. Oh, no. Yes. Growing up, we had Wood. shag carpeting. Right. You can drag a, co a couch across shag carpeting and no. not worry about it. Yeah. No, I just... Um, we had some ugly shag carpet. <laughs> I mean, that, well, it, the colors were... At our second house, we had regular carpet all over. We didn't have shag carpet. We had the shag at our first house. The Oakwood Glen house. Oh, no. that was our second house. That wasn't shag. Oh, that was just deep carpet. That was yeah. carpet. Oh, right. Okay. I think of that as shag. No, we had green carpeting green. originally. Right. Right. That was appropriate for the 70s, I'd say. Green and orange. Green yes. and, and, and the kitchen. Yeah. The kitchen was green, orange, and yellow. Like the, the kitchen was carpeted? No, no. Okay. It had linoleum. <laughs> it's an ugly wallpaper. <laughs> Uh, and the wo walls, we had some wood paneling on the walls. Yeah. In the breakfast area. Yeah. Oh, the whole den was wood panel, wasn't it? Yes. Correct. Yes. <laughs> Did you hate it then? Yeah. Really? I yeah. thought everyone loved wood paneling in the 70s. Well, um, we had wood plant paneling in the first house, and you, you weren't around to see some of those changes. Yeah, because you were less than two years old when we moved from the first house. Yeah. And uh, I changed it because, you know, if you look at paneling, the, you've got like a four-inch, uh, I don't know what you'd call it, there's just an imprint on the wood, maybe a four-inch and a six-inch and various sizes. Mm. I painted every other one white. <laughs> and <laughs> How'd that work? Well, it looked good to me. <laughs> it matched, it went well with the red carpet that we had in the den, so... Red carpeting. Red shag carpet. Every other panel of white. Yeah. It was awesome. It was pretty snappy, yeah. <laughs> Remodeled the interior of the house, took out a wall. And then put it back up. And put it back up because I didn't like it. Now, growing up, uh, the two of you, you grew up in the uh, the late 40s, 50s. Correct. Um what was, the, what was your household, like, parent situation like? Like, who worked, who did what? Well, my father worked, but my mother didn't. He wouldn't let my father wouldn't let my mother work. And Reuben's dad worked. Well, his mom and dad both worked. Yeah, that, they had full time jobs. Well, and and mom insisted on it because we or I and the eldest of my father's 
uh, second family, mm-hmm. and uh, so he had to support his first family as well. Oh, yeah, so, I didn't think about that. Yeah. So there was what we call child support now. I don't know what they called it back then, but uh, so mom uh, had to work, and dad didn't like it because it was. I don't know. It wasn't a masculine thing to do. You were the head of the household, and you were expected to provide all of the financial support. However, he wasn't have making enough to to do that for two families. So mom worked, and and she had worked all her life anyway. Yeah. So she continued to work, you know, almost until the last day. Yeah. You know, and so, yeah. See, she had a good work ethic. I think that's one of the main things that she passed along uh, to her kids, at least to one. <laughs> <laughs> what did they do? Uh, well, Dad Dad was, uh, during my coming up, uh, coming into the family, and uh, during the initial phase of the World War II, he, he worked at a ship channel, although he'd grown around a farming community cotton growing and whatnot in south central Texas. And um but he he worked in a shipping ship channel and I don't know exactly what he did, but from there he, he started driving a truck until he was hurt and then he had to change professions. And he started basically in the construction industry. And dad and mom were formally uneducated mm-hmm. but terrifically smart i mean they they had the talent to to learn things dad became uh a, a laborer moved up to carpentry moved up to superintendent all within a short span of maybe 10 years and uh w- without any formal education yeah and, and he learned how to read blueprints and then uh, became you know pretty well known in the construction industry mother worked for a bagging company it, it was kind of funny because I remember uh, when we were at grandma's and whatnot and, and the factory that she worked at, they used to patch bags that coffee beans came in. Yeah. It was, I forget what the material was for uh, for the bags, but they, they, used to, they used to fix them, you know, patch the holes, and mom would get whatever beans were left in there, put them in her apron, bring them home, and then they, we would roast them at home in a wood-burning fire stove, and uh, uh, that's how the coffee was made. You know? And uh, so it was, it was an interesting concept. She's, she re-sewed the bags. Yeah. You know, with a commercial-type sewing machine. You know, that's what she did all day, yeah. sew bags. Yeah. Something that's not done anymore, but yeah. just uh, as that, it was hard work. Yeah. And there, there was, she called it piecework. She got paid per per unit, and uh, she was quite good at it. Uh, but it was very difficult. I mean, she started doing that, as I understand, when she was like 13. Mm. So, but anyway, both my parents worked, or our parents worked, and, and like I said, they passed along the work ethic, and maybe that's why I like working. I don't like retirement. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What did what did your dad do? He did all sorts of things. He he was he was educated up through high school. Yeah. He graduated high school, but he had no college education or anything. 
He drove, he delivered ice when people had ice boxes where you had to have a big mm -hmm. block of ice put in your refrigerator. Yeah. And uh, he did that for a while. He drove a, a city bus in downtown Houston for a while. He uh, he worked a drag line. He was a drag line operator, whatever that does, <laughs> whatever a drag line does. Uh, you just did a gesture, and I still like know steam, it. steam shovel type of thing where you a shovel that dips down in ditches oh, okay. and whatever. They have dirt, rocks, whatever. You... Yeah, that moves them from one place to the other. And he then he went to work for Harris County, where his father was working, and they didn't. Road work, you yeah. know, patching holes in the street or whatever, whatever the county needed them to do. Yeah, taking care of the roads, and he did that till he died. Mm. So yeah. And so when when you guys were, I mean, so Stacy came along before me, mm -hmm. uh, obviously she's older than me. Um, but when you were deciding to have a family, and you were like, we're gonna have kids, we're gonna start that process going what was your like when you talked about it what was your idea of what kind of parents you wanted to be like what did you want like what kind of parents did you want we never really discovered i mean discussed that i mean that was just you just did whatever you know well even today there's no books written on how to be a parent yeah well, there's a lot of books written on how to be a parent, but <laughs> but I mean that you don't get it. This is how you do it. Yeah, there's a lot of people that give you an opinion, but nothing that that is, uh, in my opinion, goes across the board and says this is the book or this mm -hmm. set of books. And um, and we we talked about it, and we were not successful in in what we thought we weren't going to be able to have our own child. So we started looking around for what we refer to as our store-bought baby <laughs> and uh, uh, made application at different uh, agencies to see that. And then we had to look at the price of adoption and all these other things that enter into it, the legal aspect and how the law governs the uh, adoptees. And, and uh, it was kind of a scary process. Mm -hmm. And... We decided that, um, well, we almost gave up in Catholic charities. I Catholic think. charities. When we were Protestant, or are Protestant in our faith, and we figured, uh, well, Catholic charities won't, won't even hear us, but they were the nicest people in the world. They, uh, they took in our application, did the investigation, whatnot, and told us that it would probably, since we were looking for uh, a new one, a newborn, and we were looking for hopefully one who had a, a split ethnicity between Hispanic and, and Caucasian, or uh, what is referred to now as white. <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, so those are some, some rules that we've set out or qualifications that even made it more difficult. Mm -hmm. So they said, well, it'll be about 18 to 24 months before we probably can give you anything you know, positive. So we decided we'd take a long vacation. And uh, gosh, what did, a couple of months later, was it? They called us and said they had a baby for us. <laughs> if we wanted to come look at her and see if we wanted her. <laughs> it was just like 
which oh, I thought market, was odd. Marketplace. <laughs> they had this little baby inside this closet and looked like. Oh, she was in a small room. Yeah, a small room. And, uh, you know, it is funny because that's where their parental instincts come in because just all of a sudden, it was like love at first sight. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, nothing was more beautiful than, than anything. And uh, we fell in love with it just instantly that we started the process right there. Uh, so it, you know, Stacy was 25 days old. Uh, yeah. And uh, at the time, and, and when we left there, we left with, with a crying child and no diapers, nothing planned. Wow. <laughs> We we got a naked baby, yeah. not even the diapers she had on when we went and looked at her. Wow. No clothes, you know. So I had to take... Uh, well, you called Peggy. I, I called, yeah, my friend Peggy to go with me to, to buy a baby carrier, clothes, diapers, whatever, you know. Because you assumed it would be a long time before you... Yeah. Yeah, we had nothing. We had nothing. And then the irony was that, that this was like... We stopped all, after we picked her up and paid for her. We stopped at ABC Baby Furniture, and we bought the crib, the dresser. I had a pickup truck and basically told that lady, after you selected the design and furniture, whatever fits in that truck that the baby needs... That's like we had to buy it. Yes, yeah, so, so we had stuff. nothing. Yeah, I mean... We bought a few clothes and... Things like that. Did. They didn't even give us a baby bottle with formula in it or anything. Wow. Yeah, talk about the extra, I guess. Yeah. You bought the basic package. They, they don't want you to have anything that you could trace back to the uh, biological parent. Interesting. Yeah. So just naked baby. Naked baby. There you go. <laughs> and we started from there, and, and this was like on a Wednesday or Thursday, and it was a terrific experience. Like by Saturday, uh, we had a nursery, yeah, to put in, and uh, the doorbell rang, and it was one of our friends from work, and, uh, and she she came in or he came in and but Phyllis or one Phyllis McBride I think the she first was the first one to come in and. No sooner that she walked in, the doorbell rings again, and then again, and again, and ultimately. People we worked with, they had gotten together to do a baby shower. Yeah. <laughs> oh, impromptu. And, yeah. You know, just all of a sudden, we had a house full of guests and a lot of presents. <laughs> and uh, so it was, it was a, uh, a terrifying, wonderful experience. And then I came along, and it was a terrifying, terrifying experience. <laughs> no, you were the best baby the best baby I have ever seen. Uh, you didn't cry, you know, except if you maybe if you were wet or dirty or whatever. Uh, I mean, you were just a good baby. I could put you down to go take a nap, and well, you, you just were, went you right to surprised. sleep. Mm -hmm. Because you were feeling sick or something? I thought I had a virus or yeah. the flu or something, <laughs> and I was pregnant. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey, everything has worked out, you know, well, and and then we hit the seventies during the recession, and and you you know, one of the things that started happening that was really scary was uh, uh, we had 
sugar and meat and everything became scarce. Well, not I, scarce, just expensive. Oh, you, know, you know, very expensive and stuff like that. We were wondering, you know, how are we going to manage this? Right. We were both working. And, uh, no. With Stacy? Oh, with Stacy, yes. Yeah, we were both working with Stacy and things were, were tough, but all of a sudden we decided, you know, we chose to become parents. We chose to raise a family and we were having trouble with babysitting since we worked nights and this kind of thing. Nobody wanted to keep your kid at night, yeah. get up at two o'clock in the morning to give her back to you. and. Yeah. <laughs> so we set a date that says we'll pay off whatever we can. And on this date, it'll be your, the last day. You know, one of us is going to have to quit. I, yeah. And I wasn't. And your mom didn't like work anyway. So, <laughs> so well, she, she said. I didn't mind working. I mean, it was just. It was it was hard for me to be a wife, a mother, an employee. You know, I'm not. I, I don't. Uh, what do you call it? Multitask. Multitask. Yes, I do not multitask. But she said a date. But I quit. I just finally quit. I mean, that, that cut our salary right in half. Well, more than in half was I was making more than you at the time. Wow. I had been there longer. But uh, like I said, it just it just all worked out in the long run. And everything we did was an investment in time and, and lifestyle and whatnot. So. Yeah. And uh, as time went on, like I said, it was just a matter of of uh, dedicating your life to different things. One of them was being parents, the other was being an employee, you know, and, and advancing in those fields. And here we are, retired. <laughs> <laughs> well, Papa Bear in, in We Love Our Dad makes it very clear that he is not, he is not comfortable sitting and just watching TV. Either. Yeah. Uh, he always wants to be up around doing something. That's your dad. <laughs> yeah, that, there's there's a lot of correlation between that and during during the time of raising children and and working and investment and education and stuff. Uh, I was very civic minded, mm -hmm. and uh, as a matter of fact, one of the things that I remember is going to your school and the teacher asking me exactly what do you do because every time we say we talk about firefighters or ambulance drivers or post office people. <laughs> Philip raises his hand and says, my dad does that. <laughs> yes, my dad's a fireman. <laughs> my, I was the only kid who would say, my dad fights fires and he saves people's lives. <laughs> he goes to the office and I was actually telling the truth. To all the time. Yeah, you were. Uh, the, who did all that? And you volunteered to do it. That was cool. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. volunteer yeah. work. Yeah, that's one thing that that always stuck out is the uh, is this notion of of giving back to the community of like being a part of the community. Yeah, um, and how hard that can be sometimes. Like to find okay. to find where even just to find out what you're good at and what you fit in doing um, in a, in a community. Uh, but you, you I mean, I know from your just your work experience, you know, you you just sort of always had to put yourself out there and yeah. say, I'll, I'll learn the job, but give me the we did the tests. That was that was kind of like the great plan in terms of not having a, a formal education. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have some college, you know, hours, and don't maybe if I put it all together, I 
I'd get a not even a sheepskin, but at least one out of paper. And uh, but the thing of it is, is that everything that I did, even if for the community, was with the thought of advancing my own career, mm. because the things that I did were applicable to the things that I did professionally. You know, trying to get into and doing, you know, like uh, my long-term job with the Postal Service was managing safety, health, and environmental issues, you know, which fire and EMS and, you know, all of that. And people that worked for me were the medical doctor and nurses, uh, people that were with the uh, drug and alcohol, and just, of course, all the safety engineering and you know, everything associated. These people were, were my support staff and uh, things that I did on the outside in one form or fashion uh, helped me understand, you know, my own job. Yeah. You know? Yes. So that, that worked out well. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so I talk about on my show uh, and I talk about, actually, I talked about in my one man show uh, in the later books. Mike Berenstain talks about, uh, he's written several books just about the concepts of caring um, and what it means to care for someone. And so I did some reading uh, about the science of caring, which is actually like a thing that came out in the 70s for nursing. It was a, it was a sort of a philosophy of nursing that, that is still taught to this day. But it really took it to heart. And I talk about it on my show, and I talked about, I've talked about it on ep certain episodes, but... Uh, it, it really struck me because it reminded, it, it resonated with me as to, as to how you two approached parenting me and Stacy. And one, cause one of the philosophies is that when you care about someone, when you love someone and care about them and want them to like, if you're in nursing, it's want them to get better. But in, you know, in life, it's just want them to thrive. Uh, you give them, you give them the space they need to grow into who they're going to be. And you're there and you care for them and you correct them when they need correction and you take care of them when they need direct care. But you, you always give them, you always allow them to sort of grow in the direction they need to go. And that's something that you guys did that I have taken to heart with my own children is, and it's something that Mike and the Stan and Jan Berenstain really cared about in their writing, which is letting people be who they need to be. Um, just to make sure that they're not doing anything, you know, destructive or, or hurtful to anyone. Um, because I feel like even though you guys didn't always seem to understand where I was coming from and I was doing things that didn't always make a whole lot of sense, uh, you always were just like supportive, like you not just supportive, but like allowed me to make those mistakes or allowed me to go in the directions I wanted to go. Um, and just sort of guiding me along the way, you know, when I seem to be getting off track or going, you know, like failing classes or you know, <laughs> running away to Austin, Texas. Yeah, I was just thinking that. <laughs> Everyone on my phone is like, I'm running away to Austin, Texas. Look, okay, once I ran away from home to go to Austin, Texas, I was out of my mind. It was, it was very, a very educational experience. The police picked me up. I had a very nice talk with the police therapists. <laughs> it, was a, it was a very, very rounding experience. So when I, I didn't do much, when I did something, I did it big. <laughs> well, then the thing about that particular issue, the fact that it was even disappointing, was that you chose to do that without thinking 
tomorrow, like, where am I going to get the money to eat? Where am I going to get the money to put gas in my car? You know. Well, it wasn't. I wasn't thinking. <laughs> I was thinking yeah. Exactly. I got in my car and I drove. Exactly, and that's what, that was one of the things that I say. I can't believe that he would do such a <laughs> dumb thing. You know, and uh, then I had to find someone to go with me and your mother to. Who was it that went with you? It was uh, Brad England. That's right. That's right. I ran into him later at an event or something. Oh yeah, yeah. And he was like, "I remember having to drive up to Austin, Texas to get you." I was like, "To bring you? Oh, he drove your car back." Yeah. Um, but I mean, that wasn't that was. I mean, that was all tied up in the the mess that was my theater life yeah like that was more me being terrified of something else but that's another thing that i that I, it took me a long time to realize is as a kid i saw you both as being as trying to like control my life uh telling me what to do and wanting to get it as a parent then i look back on it and i see just <laughs> how much you were both trying to protect me yeah. And keep me safe. And as a kid, you don't want that. You want to be. You want to yeah. be uh, in. You know, you want to go out and do whatever you want to do. And as a parent, you want to make you. You see the danger signs, and you you want your child to be happy, but you also want your child to be safe. And so, I just wanted to say right now, I appreciate in retrospect how difficult that must have been for both of you, like especially when I was in high school and going through all that mess. Uh, because it's like, here's this kid who's passionate about this thing, but also there's like danger signs and warning signs like all over the place that he's in a messy situation. And it was a messy situation. And then bear in mind that, that I had a, a very disciplined, not only upbringing, but the fact that one of my favorite activities was military. Right. You know, so there was organization, there was responsibility, there was accountability. Mm -hmm. You know, so those kind of things you kind of expect in real life once you get away from yeah. them, that they stay with you even to this day, you know. And uh, so, you know, I had the, I guess, the privilege of um, supporting my country and teaching me how to support my family. So, and make a bed very well. <laughs> you can make a bed. My dad, my dad can make a bed. Like you could bounce a quarter off of it when you're supposed to. <laughs> oh, you're supposed to. <laughs> and I grew up not knowing that you were even supposed to make your bed every day. <laughs> well, there are some philosophies that say if you make the bed, you're trapping a lot of stuff in there. So oh, okay. That's why philosophy. That's an excuse. <laughs> Sounds like a good philosophy to me. Uh, um, but no, I mean, what I really wanted to do with this episode, you know, the books, the books that we talked, the books that you know, I read, I read out loud to my parents for the first time in a long time. Um, we love our mom and we love our dad and they're very basic books. They're there just for kids to be like, here's some ideas for what you can do for your parents for Mother's and Father's Day. Um, but I really just wanted to have you two on the show to talk about parenting, to talk about me uh, <laughs> to have you on the just to 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 have you on the show for these two books just because i love you both very much well thank you and i feel like i don't <laughs> say it enough or i don't get to show it and this is this is what i do and so this is it would be i would be remiss of me to not to have you here on deep in bear country 
Well, I tell you what, we appreciate the opportunity of, of being part of your life in this aspect. And uh, sometimes as, over the years, it's been difficult to understand which way you're headed. <laughs> but, Trust me, I, I feel the same way about myself. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the fact that you're so far away uh, sometimes drives me to feel like I've been a failure mm. in, because um, I admire grandparents that can take an active part in their grandchildren and stay w close with their children. Yeah. And in my situation or our situation, yeah, everybody's split. Yeah. You know, and uh, even even you having a half-brother and his family are in Colorado, mm -hmm. and you guys are in Minnesota. And the closest one is Stacy, who is just still 250 miles away right. around Fort Worth. So, you know, when I hear other grandparents talk about what they're doing for the weekend, uh, Rick and Mirabeth, he's got 10 grandkids. So that's 10 birthday parties in a year that he's going to go. And I, well, I'm not going to admire that situation. You know, sometimes I wish I was part of it. Yeah. So. But you can also say, I would say that there's a, there's a certain pride to be taken in the set, in the fact that your kids felt confident enough to move somewhere else to be like, I feel ready to get out there into the world. And yeah, no. And that's one of the, one of the pluses. And all this time I thought you just wanted to get away from us. <laughs> that too, huh? <laughs> no, and that's, that's very true because, uh, I've always been philosophically believe that, uh, you go where the opportunities lie, you know? And, um, while, the reason that I'm here in this community is because your mother didn't want to leave anyway. Mm -hmm. You know, probably had one of the things that I wanted to do was stay in the military. Right. The other part of it was, you know, move away from this heat and, uh, and having experienced part of the, the world, I saw some beautiful places that I thought I wanted to live, you know, those kind of things, but you make decisions with other people's opinions and other people's lives, how they're going to be impacted. Yeah. So you make an adjustment. Also, if you guys had moved to Europe, I probably would never have been born. If we had moved what? To Europe, I probably never would have been born. Oh. Yeah, you never know. We were going to go to, where were we? Spain. We were going to go to Spain. And then you came along and we had to cancel that. I could have been a little, a little Spanish boy. Yeah, there you go. I would have definitely been Felipe. Yeah, there you go. Ridden that horse. And we, we planned a trip to... We were planning a trip to Spain when we got Stacy. That's true. And then we planned a trip to... Uh, was it Jerusalem? Wow. Yeah, with my aunt... Jonelle and her church group, we were going to go there when I found out I was, I was pregnant and, and they were going to go in July and you were due in July. So I could have been a, a trip. I could have, I could have been a citizen of <laughs> Jerusalem, I guess. And, well, and now years later, we find out that there are actually ties, you know, between the Jewish community and our lives and, yeah. you know, all of this stuff that you start looking into your own life and. So it's been an interesting uh, hopscotch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, thank you both so much for joining me here on my show. 
Well, I wish I could have contributed more, but... You contributed great! I'm not much on speech giving. <laughs> well, just, just remember that uh, no matter what, you are loved, and uh, there's nothing more than that we appreciate is to you haven't come along and been part of our life all this time. And same here. Thanks for still being a part of my life. Thank you, you are. <laughs> and for everyone else who is a part of my life, you can uh, join me every week here in Bear Country. You can also join me on the podcast I do with my child, Willow. Uh, it's still Toro time, a Guillermo del Toro adjacent podcast. We are gearing back up to start new episodes. And um, Pizza Toast, the podcast I do with Christy, we will be getting back on track to put out a new season of that show as well. So keep your ear to the ground. If you're having trouble finding Deep in Bear Country on Facebook, it's because terrible things happen to my Facebook. I no longer have control over any of my accounts. So I'm going working to rebuild my social media presence. So hang in there. You'll see me uh, sometime. I don't know how I'm going to figure out Facebook <laughs> without access to those pages, but I'll do it. Uh, otherwise, uh, once again, thank you so much. You're welcome. Yeah. And I will see everybody else next time deep in bear country.